Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. Hey, everybody. What's going on, everybody? We are back for episode six. That sounded kind of like a Star Wars kind of feel. I was feeling so. That's cool. I don't hate that. I don't hate it at all. And I'm very excited about this episode. Yeah. That's going to be good. It's so cool. What the Egyptians believed in was like pretty weird, but man, it really makes Exodus come to life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this is actually part two of, uh, this is a continuation of the last episode. So if you haven't seen the last one. Please go back and watch that one first. It's called Moses, the Preparation, because we're going in the book of Exodus, and we're talking about the story of when God called Moses to go back into Egypt to free his people. Mm-hmm. And so last week, we kind of touched on what, how was God preparing Moses to take on this task, and now today, we're going to talk about exactly like why Moses was the perfect person for this job and what God was actually doing to the Egyptians to get them to finally tap out, to let his people yeah. go. And Egypt was known for having slaves, just like a lot of places were back then. And so when we were in Israel, we didn't get to go to Egypt, sadly. But we did get to go to a place called Timnah where Egyptian, uh, not Egyptian slaves, but slaves that were slaves of Egypt. I don't want to get people confused. They might not have been Egyptian. Um, they were there to mine for copper in the mountains. And so we got to actually see firsthand a little bit of maybe what, what the, you know, Israelite slaves. Was it a copper mine? Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. It it was so hot, but no fun. So we'll, we'll show you guys some pictures of what that looked like. And that's the closest we got to Egypt, but. Well, and there'd be another teaching (laughs) accompanying that copper mine. Oh, yes. Oh, that was really good. But that's not for today. That's for another time. Hold on to that. We'll wait. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But so, um, so last week we read up until the point where God tells Moses, go. Moses says, who do I say sent me mm-hmm. if, if they ask who sent me? And so we're going to fast forward just a little bit to the part sure. where uh, the Lord tells Moses to go and meet Pharaoh down by the water, right? In the morning? Isn't that what he said? think of a song. Yes. Yeah. That is what he said. Do you want me to read it word for word? Because this is Exodus 7, 14 through 15. Yeah, go ahead. I know you love when I read on here. Yeah. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes into the river. Confront him on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. And that's Exodus, Exodus 7, 14 through 15. So he's already had conversation with Pharaoh back and forth with the whole rod turning into a snake and then Aaron's rod eating the two snakes. There's a lot to that as well. There's a lot to everything in Exodus. It's it's seeming to be because of some of um, the cultural things with um, Egypt and, and just what they believed in their customs and their traditions. So yeah, well, I think I think one thing that um, Brad was teaching us while we were in Israel was that first statement where. The you know the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know a lot of times I, I think that just just real quick to touch on this is like yeah. I, I think that God deals with all of us on certain things, and the more that we choose 
to ignore that sound teaching or the direction from the Holy Spirit, our heart becomes hard to those issues. And so Mm -hmm. I think that basically what Brad was kind of touching on while we were in Israel was that maybe he believed that God was slowly convicting Pharaoh the whole time about how he was treating the Israelites and and the slavery Mm -hmm. and everything like that. And then finally, uh, Pharaoh kept ignoring the Lord long enough that just hardened his heart and he could no longer hear that correction, I think. Yeah, and I mean, my gosh, obviously when you list the plagues, you're like, dang, that's intense. But it's so much more intense, actually, than what it even shows um, because you have to dig deep to understand what the Egyptians believed and their cultures and their customs. And so we're going to go through some of these main things that the Egyptians believed because I promise you it is going to make the plague seem so much worse than what we just read as Americans. Yeah. You know, reading of what these plagues were. Because, I mean, yeah, they seem bad. They seem bad. But not absolute death to everything. What even is life? But that's exactly how the Egyptians felt when they yeah. were going through it. Complete yeah. chaos. Well, start. you need to start out by telling them, Okay, there's there's a purpose if you if you understand the context and the culture like the culture of like what was going on there <laughs> is you understand that God told Moses to meet Pharaoh yes. down by the water at a certain time on purpose. Like it wasn't yes. just because God knew obviously that Pharaoh was going to be there, but there's something happening in the midst of this that we all need to understand. Yeah, so one thing, Egypt had a whole lot of gods. I mean, they had about 2,000 gods, a lot. And Pharaoh was a god seen by the Egyptians. And so one thing you might not have thought of, but a lot of Egyptians just know, is that if you're a god, you don't go to the bathroom. There's no need. You're a god. That is just icky stuff that gods don't deal with, I guess, is what they think. And it's just crazy because if Pharaoh is a god, he can't go potty. It's just not how it works. And so what Pharaoh did, which every Pharaoh did, okay, they would go out in the morning and they'd just take a swim in the Nile. And that is how they would go potty in the Nile so nobody saw. And they would just do their business. So I think it's pretty great that the Lord told Moses to meet him in his potty time that he is trying to cover up by a morning swim. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. How many of y'all been to the lake? You go to the bathroom... (laughs) While you're in there, there's no bathrooms out on the lake, so everybody jumps in there. All of a sudden, yeah. you hit a warm spot. That's right. And, and then imagine swimming downstream from Pharaoh in the morning. And that's then right. Just, anyway. Or even like not just number one. Let's not go too yeah. far, but also there were number twos up in there. Yeah, because because he had to go where no one could see him because Pharaoh is the son, uh, the earthly son yeah. of Ra, the mm-hmm. god of the sun, and so. Pharaoh would be there. And so God already is using Moses and Aaron to meet Pharaoh down at the water because God is already starting to overturn the belief system. Like he's already beginning to expose Pharaoh because everybody was under the belief that this guy doesn't use the bathroom. And the Lord's like, dude, I know you're going down there to use the bathroom. That's right. So I'm going to have... Moses and Aaron confront you while you're trying to secretly use the bathroom because you're trying to be the son of a fictitious God, right? Yeah. And so God begins the very exposing of of Pharaoh yeah. by having them pop on the scene while he's relieving Before himself. one plague even happened, Be- <laughs> already calling him out. Yeah. 
Already calling him out. Moses and Aaron are watching this dude go to the bathroom. The Lord is not playing. Okay. (laughs) And so we have to say a little bit more about Pharaoh because Pharaoh is always connected to something in Egypt, ancient Egypt, called Ma'at. M-A, little apostrophe, A-T, Ma'at. And it's really important what this is. And what Ma'at is, it is order. It is order in the cosmos. It is everything that is in place. Everything is going smoothly. There is harmony. That is what ma'at is. And so whenever there's harmony, whenever there's peace, there always has to be some kind of opposite that's fighting, right? And that's called isfet is the name that they call this. And it is chaos, disorder, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so Pharaoh's job as the, I'll put in air quotes, the son of Ra, so pretty much for them, it'll help us kind of see with our own eyes. It's kind of like they're seeing him as Jesus, honestly. Hmm. The son of Ra was the biggest god that there was. And um, all of them were pretty big, but Ra was a really big one. And so Pharaoh is in charge of keeping ma'at, keeping harmony and keeping order on earth because he is in constant communication with the other gods, 2,000 other gods, okay? So it totally makes sense. Yeah, Pharaoh, I'm sure, is in constant talking to 2,000 gods. And so that is what Pharaoh is in charge of doing. So ma'at is where you want to be. Isfet, you do not want to be anywhere near that. And so something more here in Exodus 7 that I read to you guys, there's so much more meaning to it. It is catching Pharaoh in the act of probably pooping, but also yeah. <laughs> but also the Lord says specifically, confront him on the bank of, bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. So earlier, um, like literally just the chapter before, that was whenever Moses and Aaron first came to Pharaoh and asked yeah. to let you know the Israelites go. And what happened there is Aaron turned his staff into a snake. And and Pharaoh's magicians turned two of their staffs into snakes. And Aaron's snake ended up eating those two. That is very significant. And um, what that actually means is... Where is it? Oh, right here, right here. So Aaron's serpent swallowing up the other serpent signaled a threat to the Egyptian cosmic order, which is Ma'at and power, which we will go into a little bit more. But literally the Lord says, and bring the staff, because when Pharaoh sees it, he's gonna remember what happened the day before or whenever that was, and he's gonna remember the threat that the Lord made towards Ma'at in order. He's like, oh, you think you know what order is? You have no idea. I'm about to Mm -hmm. show you what's about to go down and how much you don't have control of Mm -hmm. Pharaoh. Yeah. (laughs) It's just crazy. Yeah, I think think it's crazy um, too because it, you, you know, they, they literally talk about everything is, is in order, right? You have yeah. all these 2,000 gods that are all working together. They all have different jobs, but together, them with Pharaoh, they bring order, and then they pass down orders so that Pharaoh can bring order to the people, and everything works together for the good of the universe, right? Yeah, or, sounds you know, about sounds new, new age <laughs> you know? Pretty dang new age. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but so basically, Pharaoh is is the the earthly example of of the gods and so when when Aaron and Moses come on the scene and they start making waves yeah. it starts messing with the ma'at and it starts messing with the harmony that the Egyptians were used to flowing in oh, yeah. because i mean as as i believe that the lord does in all of our lives if if we have other idols and other false uh, stances built up that are not of God, mm-hmm. he will always come and rock the yes. boat. He will come and begin to show, 
hey, this you aren't as bringing as much order into your life yeah. and as much security into your life as you think because your security is not found in me. It's found in everything else. And so now um, the Lord begins to bring these plagues on the Egyptians and begins to turn like their world upside down. Oh, yeah. Like it gets crazy up in here. And I mean, most of you guys know. Yeah. But let's go on to the next thing that Egyptians, it was like the lifeblood of the Egyptians. It was the power that they had. It was the power. If you're wondering how the magicians turned the rods into snakes and that, you know, the, some water into blood, just like Jesus, you know, just like God did, it is because of something called Heka. And it is a magical power that the Egyptians believed in back then. It was everything. It, it was how the, the world was created, right? Yeah. And it was just like the lifeblood of life. I mean, Ma'at is order, right? But Heka is power. So that yeah. is like, and, and there also is a God that has Heka. Okay, so you like would pray to that God. And the more I read about that God, it's kind of crazy because it seems like they're trying, like it's almost like a counterfeit Holy Spirit whenever yeah. I'm reading about this God. And um, it's just, it's the whole central Egyptian way of life, Heka is. And there's just like, there's so many aspects to it. So I really encourage you to dig deep because we only have a certain amount of minutes to go into Heka. <laughs> but man, it is one Heka of a thing. Yeah, it's one. Did you like my word? <laughs> It's one hecka. <laughs> it is of just a one hecka of a deal, I tell you what. Yeah. But let me let's tell you a little bit about it though. Because obviously you well, need to know. Well, so okay, so just really quick though, um, mm -hmm. one of the articles that, that we read about Hecka was a lot of times people see this as, okay, well, these high priests were able to turn yeah. their rods into snakes, just like God turned Aaron's staff mm -hmm. into a snake. Um, but but Hecka was was like all inclusive, like everything in the Egyptian world ran off of Heka, right? So Heka is is what created deities. I mean, Heka even yeah. created the gods themselves. Mm -hmm. it, it created the earth, the land, the seas, everything. Everything that we know to believe that God did yeah. himself is, yeah. is basically what Heka did. And so when you really understand what Heka was to the Egyptians, you, you'll begin to understand that when God began to put cracks in those beliefs, imagine if your whole belief system that you've built your entire life around started mm. to reveal itself as not necessarily being as solid as what you had always believed that it was. That would be mind-blowing. And how uh, the god Heka, you know, because they're so well known for their hieroglyphics and their pictures, the Egyptians, the, the god Heka was always holding two serpents mm. because he had the power to where he could hold two serpents and not get bitten. So I think that's yeah. interesting that the Lord's like, oh, you, oh, you can have two serpents and not be bitten. Well, I can have two serpents and I can eat them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can eat them up. I won't just make sure they don't bite me. I'm going to eat them <laughs> and show you who's actually in control and who actually has the power. But according to myth, Heka fought and conquered serpents, you know, like I was just talking about. And it's kind of funny because it goes here. It totally was interesting to me because Heka was like magical powers, right? But he was also like medicine for them. So they would like mix their little potions and also use Heka on people to heal them. And so Heka in the latter case is actually connected to the wing staff with two serpents wrapped around it, which is now a symbol associated with medicine. Very, mm. very interesting. I knew yeah. exactly when I was reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, which is funny because Heka actually means it's using the, like, it's actually probably pronounced Heka because it is 
the magic of ka and and it means magic or magical power so yeah heka but it sounds weird so we're just going to say heka yeah yeah so like like jordan was saying it, it's heka is is involved in everything like the good the bad yes um birth death like everything is is attested to to heka and it, and it's kind of like so if you're having bad luck or yeah. you know what they say bad karma Mm -hmm. um, you've done something to upset the hecka. Oh yeah, like any kind of wording, like you were just saying, luck, karma, even blessing, curse, yeah. all that is hecka. They hecka. would just say that's hecka, like obviously. And and something like so interesting is that gods, the gods used hecka. Okay, so they use this power. Yeah. So something really cool. Do you want to say about the god Ra, how he used hecka every day to to bring the sun. Yeah, because Ra is the sun god. Yeah, and so he used Heka, which is this power, to every day fight this other being or whatever to keep the sun coming up every single day. Yeah, which is interesting because the sun was like also the lifeblood for the Egyptians, as you can tell. They like live in the desert, so you have to like the sun. <laughs> but something else about Heka is that is its chief function was the preservation of the natural world order. So Heka is connected to Maat because Heka is the power that you need to keep Maat going. Yeah. And so it's, it, another thing with Heka that's interesting is you can control it for good or evil. Mm -hmm. I think you said that. It made me think of the Force on Star Wars. I think I'm thinking of Star Wars a whole lot. But honestly, yeah. you use the Force for evil or you use it for good. You use Heka for evil or you use it for good. I'll put air quotes for good. Yeah. Because, yeah, not of the Lord. But anyways. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I think I think at first it was it was probably very easily um, the the people of Egypt once the plagues started coming, I, I guarantee you they were looking at it at first as like, oh man, this is just bad Heka. You know, like we're just yeah. we've angered the gods. Yeah. Somehow. Mm -hmm. But then if if you notice as you read through through scripture and stuff. The, the plagues start out as affecting everyone and then they move into where they only affect the Egyptians and not the Israelites. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the beginning that the Egyptian people were just like, oh man, we, we need to sacrifice. We need to do all these yes. things to get Heka back on our side because we're experiencing the bad side of Heka. But then God eventually moves everything to where it's undeniable that there's nothing they can oh, yeah. do to get Heka back on their side. And something really interesting, too, about the Egyptians I forgot about until you were saying that is that they were very workspace-minded. If you don't give yeah. to the gods, if you don't sacrifice to the gods, they're going to be mad at you. That's how most religions are. And ours is different. Ours, well, it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. I think our human nature always resorts to the yeah. works like we've talked about. But it's funny because that's what they believe, too. Yeah. It's every every other religion you can earn mm -hmm. everything that you get so you you do all these things for the gods because then you earn something in return oh yeah in yeah. in heka um certain ways that they would worship him during the harvest they would hold a statue of him and walk through the fields because heka would come and the power of heka would make their crops grow mm -hmm. and things like that and so when you start thinking of all these things you're thinking of certain plagues and you're like oh dang they're freaking out they have to be freaking out yeah. Because then you go into the Egyptian way of life, which is what we're talking about, right? But there's three main things, three huge things to the Egyptians. And it is religion, obviously, with what we've been talking about this whole time. There's economy with the Nile, with the crops, with the livestock. And there is social classes, which they call the social pyramid. And 
we'll go a little more in depth with that soon because we're about to talk about how some of these plagues like hit them real hard we're not going to talk about all 10 plagues but we are going to talk about about four of them so did you want to talk about the first one Which the one very first plague first? the, the plague blood? of blood yeah yeah, so I think it's it's important. So religion, right? There's there's a god for everything in in Egypt, but they also work together. So there can be multiple gods involved in in different things. But the the Lord chose to turn the Nile into blood because the Nile was literally the life sustaining force of the Egyptians at this time. I mean, you know, th- their food came yeah. from the Nile. Their their water came from the Nile, yes, like all these things. Toilet? They're, for yeah. Pharaoh's case? Pharaoh's to- <laughs> toilet. Yeah. So here's an even other thing that the I just pictured Aaron and Moses walking up to the bank while Pharaoh's in there relieving himself. And they're like, hey, let our people go. And he says no yeah. while he's in there. And so they're like, all right, fine. You know, the Lord tells Aaron to touch his, put his staff into the water and it turns into blood. There goes Pharaoh's ability to hide um, he's not going to go in there while yeah. it's running, like running red with blood to relieve himself. So, I mean, I guess if he's desperate, he will. I know. I, I wonder what that looks like. If he's I don't like, know. I'm going to go for a stroll. And did he go hide behind some like weeds? <laughs> hide take behind bushes or something? I don't know. I don't know. But the Lord made it very difficult yeah. for Pharaoh to hide the fact that he is only a man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny because it was saying even like the, the pots in people's homes, the water turned to blood. So you can't even poop in a pot. You can't. You can't. He, he was exposed. <laughs> I think that's where the Lord likes us to be most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, hey, you've been hiding something for a long time and making people think you're a certain way. I'm going to make it to where that's impossible to do, so you have oh, to show geez. your true colors. <laughs> so first plague, ouch. That yeah. one hurt pretty bad because it hit economically and it also hit Pharaoh, which has to do with the religion because he is supposedly a god. Well, and it hit every class of, of yes. person too. Like, because... The Nile River literally sustained everyone, everyone yeah. in the kingdom from Pharaoh all the way down to the lowest of classes. It was it was one that definitely got everybody's attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 so crazy because the more we go into this, I mean, every single plague, if you look into it, it literally challenges and attacks Ma'at and Heka both. Yeah. No matter what. No matter yeah. the way you look at it, every single plague attacks that. But then there's some that are just pretty detailed that we've studied. Probably every single one of them have their own very intentional thing that the Lord did. But we're just going to hit those four. And so the next one is, the, well, not the next one, but this is the seventh, eighth one. The eighth one is the plague of locusts. And mm. so th- what's interesting with this one is that pretty much there were a lot of plagues before this that did attack either the economic thing with the livestock or crops. But the locusts completely demolished whatever crops were left everything and you know of course every single time a plague ended moses or moses before the plague ended would go to pharaoh and pharaoh would say okay fine 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 stop or you know something there would always be a conversation in between each plague and so no matter what pharaoh's like no i won't i won't i won't i won't and so the lord's like okay now your crops are completely destroyed. They were a little destroyed through the hail, the gnats, the flot, whatever the heck. But now they're completely destroyed through the locusts. So that's significant with that because yeah. the economic situation was completely dire right then. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's challenging their, their religion, their belief system as well. Because if you remember, you were talking about they used to march through those fields with a statue of the god Heka. Mm-hmm. And so as the Lord sends all those locusts, 
they they now are realizing that everything that they did that was ritualistic to protect their crops yeah. just went out well, the Well, and everything inside of them and the way that they've always functioned is if we do this for the gods, they will do things for us. Right. And they're seeing none of that happen. They are doing things for the gods probably, you know, during this and the gods are doing nothing for them because their gods aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> now, now we know, looking at it all these years <laughs> later, we know that basically... Yeah. Gods aren't real. But, oh, there are plenty of gods nowadays. They just might not be little Yeah, they're just probably not worshiping Ra and stuff like that. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. But, so, anyway, the the next one that that we were going to talk about, which, this one is really cool. Because this this one was the one that, to me, was just so mind-blowing. It was when when God caused darkness to come over the land. I, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but... If you remember, we just talked a little bit ago about Ra is the main god. Like, he is the dude. Yeah. You know, the god of the sun. Pharaoh is his descendant on mm-hmm. earth. He's the main god that everybody's worshiping. He's like, you know, if 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 the gods had a pyramid yes. structure, he would be at the top. Like, Pharaoh is at the top of, of the social classes. Yes. So, Ra was responsible for bringing up the sun every morning because the as the the myth i guess mm-hmm. you would say yeah. stands um ra and heka mm-hmm. right were yes. battling every night the serpent uh it starts with an a his name yeah so you can look it up for yourself <laughs> but anyway ra and heka are doing battle every night while everyone's asleep they're doing battle and they win every night every night that the sun comes up ra is the man he, he's he's brought up the sun yet again. So they would worship him every morning that the sun would come up. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sun's up because of Ra. Yeah. So when God literally brings darkness over oh. the land, you have to understand that he was turning upside down. This was the first time in their lives that they believed that Ra had failed them. Yes, because every single day, I mean, the sun rises. Every single day. <laughs> every single day. So God brings darkness over the land. And, and raw, everybody is, is looking to the sky because it's like, wait, hold on. It's supposed to be light outside right now, which means that not only had raw failed yeah. and he lost the battle the night before, but Heka was with him. And so the Heka, like the, the, all, the force that powers yeah. all of life is now out of balance. It's out of whack. But here's the thing that puts the icing on the cake for me. Mm-hmm. The Egyptians believed that darkness, accompanying darkness, was pure chaos. Yes. So there could be no ma'at. Mm-hmm. There could be no heka. There yeah. could be no order without the sun, without mm-hmm. light. So when God says, boom, darkness, their entire world, everything that they knew up until this point is it's in utter chaos. And I guarantee you that every Egyptian that witnessed this was losing their mind. Oh, yeah, because it had to do with their souls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Darkness. That, yeah. With, without without Heka, your soul was lost for eternity. So when that first morning when the sun didn't raise, not only was their life on the line, but their eternity, what they mm-hmm. believed that they would spend eternity doing was now no longer off the table. Their soul was in utter darkness. Mm. 
Man. And I, I remember reading this when I was younger, and I'm like, so what? Light a candle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like, had no idea. Just, just sleep longer. It's dark <laughs> I, outside. I had no idea. They were losing their freaking minds. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh. And then it just goes again with the very last one, which, of course, in and of itself, it is just heartbreaking. Like, I have chill bumps because the death of firstborn, like, I, you know, because we only have one child right now, just mm-hmm. even imagining that is is gut-wrenching, but just more into the culture of the Egyptians just takes it so much further. And so it's so interesting because they actually idolized firstborns in Egypt. I mean, Pharaoh is the firstborn of the firstborn of the firstborn. Okay, they made sure before someone was crowned Pharaoh and considered, you know, the son of Ra, he had to be the firstborn of a firstborn of a firstborn people. And so every firstborn got, I mean, Everything They got the inheritance. They could tell all the other siblings what to do. That The firstborns ran this thing. So when you look at the social um, pyramid, Pharaoh, the firstborn of all the firstborns is at the very top. And then the firstborns. And then the normal Egyptians, which were born second, third, fourth, fifth. Those are the ones. And then the slaves are on the bottom, holding the bottom of the pyramid together. So get this. The Lord is saying, hey let my people go well those are the slaves that's the bottom of the whole thing yeah if our foundation crumbled what you know but then the lord's not like i'm only i'm not just taking the bottom of the pyramid i'm also knocking down the top of it as well and it will crumble altogether there's Mm -hmm. no way this thing's gonna hold up because the lord said you have been idolizing you have been worshiping other gods you have been putting people above others you have you know all these different things and the lord because if you if you remember which I didn't actually until I was reading um, Exodus just a few days ago. The Lord told Moses of one of the plagues that was going to happen before Moses went back to Egypt, and the Lord told him about this one, the firstborn plague, the worst one, the one that Pharaoh finally gave in because I, I was thinking about this, Aubrey. What if his son, he had groomed him, his son was the firstborn of a firstborn, of a fir- and now he's not, and now Pharaoh mm-hmm. doesn't have a firstborn. Yeah. And you know you can't just like we've been watching this one show vikings i mean if one sibling passes away then the next one becomes king that's not the situation in egypt everything is ruined (laughs) and so i just cannot imagine the the heartache that you know all this stuff but the lord showed himself oh my gosh so powerful when you look into these like god is the god of all things what is what are things that you're putting your foundation on in life that are not of god what is something you're idolizing that the Lord is like, listen, I'm going to warn you once. I'm going to, you know, because God, he is so faithful. He is so merciful, but he is also God of justice and he's a jealous God. And we idolize and we focus on so many things before him. And that's exactly what the Egyptians did. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I I think that it's it's so it's so cool that, you know, the the Lord has... Even, you know, when Jesus is walking the earth, there is a constant theme all the way throughout Scripture. It even goes all the way back to Exodus. Is We're talking about the slaves. The Israelites were the, were the low people on mm-hmm. the pyramid. They were always low. You know, but that same theme goes all throughout Scripture where God is willing, you know, to, to do anything for the least of these. You mm-hmm. know, and he even tells us as his followers, like, when you do this for the least of these, you do this for me. I think that that God has is always consistent and even though we are you know we've been welcomed into the fellowship of God we've been welcomed into the covenant of Abraham 
I still think that for most of us, we all have to battle Egyptian tendencies. Mm-hmm. Just like we always say Roman tendencies yeah. or or any other, you know, pagan, non... Man-made. Yeah, any man-made structure that's going on here. Um, I imagine that Pharaoh, you know, think about the grooming process that Pharaoh had to go through to become Pharaoh. They had a constant system for if you do this, then this will happen. And and then all these things, plus this, plus this, plus this, will all make you a good leader. It'll make you, you know, look like a deity, you know, like because Pharaoh was even worshipped, you know, just like Caesar was worshipped, just like all these other people. Um, and, and so we're sitting here looking at this and we're watching as the Lord just slowly takes this out, this man-made structure that they have built up into being the all-encompassing truth of their lives. And God just slowly bow, bow, bow. But and at first, the first thing he did was exposed Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And then it fell down from there. It makes me think that normally... When when the Lord is mm. is doing something, He gives you an opportunity. Yeah, He gives you an opportunity to humble yourself. Yes. And I was just having this conversation the other day with somebody else, where, um, uh, like literally, you God gives you the opportunity to humble yourself, and if you don't, then the next step is humiliation. Mm-hmm. God gives you the opportunity before Himself. Nobody else even has to be around for you to yeah. humble yourself. And then if not, it's going to be exposed in front of everybody. Pharaoh and the Egyptians, their entire belief system was exposed before God. And it was shown as paper thin. It was nothing. Yeah. And so <laughs> Pharaoh had no choice but to let the people... I mean, we, we know the story. We know that Pharaoh ended up trying to chase him down and his whole army was swallowed up there's in the so Red Sea. There's so much more even in There's so much more. Yeah. There's so wow. much more even into that. But, but what I'm saying is Pharaoh had no choice because the Egyptian way of life was on complete display mm-hmm. and it was shown to be a fraud. Mm-hmm. It was shown to be inferior. And so Pharaoh, if he wouldn't have let them go after the firstborn, mm-hmm. I imagine his people would have overthrew him. Because oh, they had to have. He showed he himself was, as a sham. He was supposed to be the one that kept the ma'at. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to keep order. It was his job to maintain order. And nothing about these plagues was was showing any type (laughs) of order. He had no control whatsoever. So I think that Pharaoh finally came to the place of such humiliation Mm -hmm. before God that he was like, I I have no choice but to let them go. If I don't, my people are going to kill me Mm -hmm. because I'm exposed. I'm done. All the things that my family, my bloodlines had built up to this point is all ruined on my watch, you know? Mm. And it makes me think of how many times people generationally build all these things. Like I, I notice people like build businesses and they do all these things and you can follow a business model and build an incredible business. You can do all of these things, but God is looking for a people that will just surrender all of it to him and the order that the egyptians had they were a dynasty that lasted a very long time they did they had order they had a system put in place that made them successful 
and God came in and tore it down. I really think the Lord has been challenging us personally, and I think a lot of you guys I'm feeling, what is your definition of success? Because Mm -hmm. in Egypt, oh, wow, they are successful. Look at them. Look at the social pyramid they got going on. Look at the the economy. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Look, Look at all these things, right? But the Lord's like, hey, you've built your foundation on sand. Yeah. Let me be your foundation. And Pharaoh said no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think, and we say no yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, we do. I think that the, the key here in this moment is Pharaoh hardened his heart toward doing what God ultimately wanted him to do. I can't imagine how much better life would have been if he wouldn't have been stubborn and kept fighting and doing all this stuff. Yeah. And... You know, I think about um, Pharaoh absolutely refused to humble himself because he thought himself a big deal. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the very first instances where we see that that pride will utterly take you out. Mm-hmm. Especially because the Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. And so we see that right here mm-hmm. with Pharaoh. What What if... Pharaoh would have humbled himself in the beginning and saved his people from doing a whole bunch of things. I asked myself that same question. If God's challenging my heart on something, it's in my best interest to humble myself in the very beginning because if I don't, I'm going to find myself in the midst of a situation that's very humiliating for me. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what's funny? Like, I think we were talking about this the other day. We always tend to put ourselves in, like, Moses's place or even the slave's place. Have we ever put ourselves in Pharaoh's place? <laughs> because I I believe, like, I was just thinking, Aubrey, I because it says the Lord hardened his heart. What if the Lord hardened his heart so we, we could have an example of what it looks like if we just hold on to pride and hold mm. on to pretending to be something we're not and holding on to this man-made kingdom that we create? What if the Lord kept hardening his heart to be like, well, if you don't, something like this might happen, something like this might happen. You know, an example Mm. to what it could look like if we have a life so full of pride and so full of control, hecka, and order, our version of order, not what the Lord says is good, what we say is good. Yeah. <laughs> because this is something so interesting. I it just it just hit me because I was reading a little more about Heka today and it was talking about how Heka actually shows up later on, not even in Egypt but in other places. And it says Heka continues as he always did. The invisible force behind the visible gods. What are the visible gods in your life? What is a force that is maybe keeping you from ultimately relying on the Lord? Because once I read that, I I heard the Lord say, it's trust in anything and everything but me, and it's a counterfeit. Mm. That's challenging right there. I know. It hurt my feelings this morning. Yeah. So I I also think just to, to kind of bring this story like to to more of a of a bigger scale for you is understanding imagine being moses in this moment moses spent 40 years of his life in the pharaoh's kingdom like in the palace so he understood the religion well Mm -hmm. he understood these gods well and 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 uh, Ma'at and heka he understood all this stuff but then he also spent 40 years away from it too Mm -hmm. so Imagine the perspective that he had watching this whole religion that he grew up on. I imagine that he struggled with it a little bit like, oh, is this 
is this stuff true? Is it not? Is that? And he got to he got to sit on the front row as God exposed hit the first forty years of mm-hmm. his life and put it on display. So I think that maybe there could be a chance. What if Moses was going, man? As a shepherd, life was so much easier in the palace. But now, I bet he's thankful. He's like, oh man, I'm glad that I'm on God's side now because this oh, yeah. is not the place that I wanted to be. Well, and then the utter contrast, real quick. I just I just saw this when you were saying that. We were talking about last week how Moses hid his face from the Lord. Yeah. And then Exodus happened. All the plagues happened. And then you literally read about Moses spending time with the Lord. Moses' face is shining because of him looking upon the Lord and spending time with the Lord. Hmm. Do you see that utter difference? He hid himself from the Lord, and then he saw the Lord be the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lord became him. so real to mm-hmm. him that he will. He just, the glory of the Lord shone upon his face because wow. he did spend time with the Lord. He didn't hide his face from the Lord. Hmm. Oh, my Let's God. just say he walked away from this knowing yeah. exactly what the Lord could do and that the Lord could use a guy like him yeah. as if well. If he was had any questions before, yeah. he doesn't anymore. Yeah. Tell so, who the Lord is. Yeah. If you if you find yourself in the midst of a situation that you're just like, how did I end up getting here? It's, I can't even imagine the position that Moses was in. But God was faithful and Moses just had to walk. He had to put one foot in front of the other and trust God mm-hmm. that he was taking him to places that he would never have even imagined and never dreamed of. And now we get to learn from this example. But so now we know that last episode was Moses, the preparation for this moment. And now we get to see exactly what Moses was watching unfold and going, oh my gosh, I grew up with these gods. Now I have the God, mm-hmm. right? And he got to watch this battle. Mm-hmm. of It wasn't even really a battle. Like God just won yeah. hands down. But I imagine that he put himself in that position to go, Oh my gosh, everything, the first 40 years of my life I grew up, it was a lie. It was completely exposed Mm -hmm. before a holy God. Mm -hmm. And that's how Moses became, was completely exposed before because he watched what God did to Pharaoh. And he's like, don't make, don't do that to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Don't make an example of me. So I I hope, I hope that you guys were ministered to by this. Um, We, we had a lot of fun finding these articles and learning uh, about this because now that you understand the Egyptian culture, you really understand what God was doing was not, he was making it undeniable Mm -hmm. that he is God and that none of these other religions, none of these other little G gods could even compare to him. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we saw happen right here. And so we, we hope that you guys were, were ministered to by this, but um, it was fun. Mm, that was so fun. Yeah, let us know what you think. Um, yeah. Rate us, because it always makes us easier to find. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. Next week, bye. Bye.